0: If you're like me, over the course of a day, you get a lot of noise in your head. I'm talking about noise like doubts and fears and things from the past you can't let go of, thoughts you really don't want to be having. But there's good stuff in there too. I get useful ideas, I get comforting thoughts, right alongside the confusing and disturbing ones. What we're going to look at tonight is how tucked away in there, in that jungle of thought, there are angels. We're going to look at how they show up, how to tune into them, and how they're with us in our heart literally. No, we don't have a formula to induce an overt angelic encounter, but it could be that we're all having little encounters with angels all the time. We've just got to know how to recognize them. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborgian Life. As the guy in the intro said, today we're going to be looking at how to feel the presence of angels. I'm Curtis Childs, I'm your host, and as always we're going to be looking at our topic through the lens of Emanuel Swedenborg, the 18th century scientist and spiritual experiencer. If you've never heard of him, and you don't know what that is, you might want to check out some of these little clips here. This is an overview of what he discovered, this is a shorter one looking at who he was and what he wrote specifically. Or, if you don't want to click those, stick it out with us. We're going to be learning some cool stuff today. If you want to be part of the conversation, get your questions in. If you have them while they come up, if you have insights or thoughts at the end of the show, we'll be getting your little snippets of text on air. So, we're gonna look at angels. I said that already? I said that already, but it's it's worth saying again. And angels are a phenomenon that's of course not unique to Swedenborg's worldview. You have this in major religious traditions, you have this in individually reported experiences, this idea of angelic beings of some kind, they go under a few different labels, but them being around and them influencing us, this is just about everywhere. And we want to look at some of the mechanics there, and while I say it's just about everywhere, a lot of the time, it doesn't feel like they're anywhere, right? You have life, and life is hard, and I could use something like a really wise, loving, light, wonderful being around me. Where are they? How can I tap into that? Hopefully today we can arm you with a couple of tools that might make that a little more achievable on a day-to-day basis. So we're going to begin now with part one. So how close... How close are angels? That's what we're gonna look at here. And this show, believe it or not, is sort of a reboot. I don't know if you were here long, long ago, we did a show called How Angels Affect Our Thoughts. Uh, But after the live broadcast, the recording got chopped up and some of it was lost forever. So we've taken that, we've redone the whole thing, we've upgraded it. So even if you were here for this one, this is bigger and better and faster and slightly stronger. So check it out. But just if you needed that completed or you were one of the people who watched that thing through the minute it cut off and said what's the next part we're going to hook you up today either way we've we've reinvestigated the topic and and hopefully it just stands on its own one thing we're not going to do today is look at what angels are Swedenborg has plenty to say about it we've covered it in other shows today we're just going to look at the connection that people feel and how Swedenborg felt it and how we can tap into it and all that kind of stuff to begin angels are closer than you think and it's sort of a play on words, <laughs> because they're as close as your thoughts. They're closer than, than if you're wearing glasses, angels are closer to you than your glasses. They're in your thoughts and feelings. Swedenborg describes it like this chart. He says that heaven and hell are not these faraway realities, or just concepts, literary constructs. They are spiritual states of mind, and they are places in that afterlife that we all talk about, and they are interacting with our minds all the time. Heaven is sending good things into us, hell is sending bad things into us constantly, and this, we have that, the angel and the devil on the shoulder, probably pop culture knows that that exists, but Swedenborg is saying it's true, and here's how you can kind of try to tease it out. And it's not just um, a, a feature of life, like we're alive and then some switch was thrown, and also we're gonna have heaven and hell have input in your mind. We actually, our lives depend on this connection, according to Swedenborg. This is from Heaven and Hell 302. This is a book of Swedenborg's like all, like most of them we're going to quote tonight. You can click on that, download a free ebook or free pdf, read the thing for yourself if you want to go above and beyond. He says, I have talked with angels, about the union of heaven with the human race and have told them that church people actually do say that everything good is from the Lord and that there are angels with us, but few people really believe that angels are so close to us, much less that they are in our thought and affection. Is that close enough for you? In your thoughts and your feelings. That's where angels are, and that may just sound like a a hallmarky sort of thing, but we're going to get into what exactly that means. The angels have told me that they knew this kind of empty belief and talk occurred in the world, and especially, which astonished them, in the church, where people have the word that teaches them about heaven and its union with them. Yet, in fact, the union is so vital that we could not think the least thought apart from the spirits who are with us. Our spiritual life depends on this. He said that the reason for this ignorance was that people believe they live on their own, without any connection with the ultimate reality of life, and do not know that there is this connection through the heavens. So not only are angels with us, but they're doing us the solid of keeping us from being annihilated, that they are part of this lifeline back to the the grand source of life. And so we all have this connection with heaven and with hell. And actually, believe it or not, the connection with hell is essential to the whole thing, too, because it creates this equilibrium, the freedom through which a human mind can function. And that may make you think, you probably not, probably you're just thinking, what what was he talking about? But if, if you happen to be thinking, well, if I'm connected to heaven and I'm connected to hell, what parts of those places am I connected to? And I, even if I, I don't know specifics, but if, even if I did, and I told you, it would only last for a little it would only be accurate for a little while because according to Swedenborg, we're shifting around which parts we're connected to all the time. And this is from Divine Providence 289. He says, thoughts and desires move from community to community in a pattern without people realizing that they are not thinking autonomously. So this is a lead into the way that thoughts really work in the world. So what and and I don't know if I made it clear from the context there, but he's talking about Thoughts and feelings, you know, coming at us from the spiritual world, but also those thoughts and feelings are moving around the communities in this in this other world, like sort of like things move around in the brain. If you think about a brain scan, picture one that's like a movie that moves. Um, that if you see the different impulses lighting up, um, th- we notice that there's these electrical surges synapse to synapse, the move across parts of the brain, right? Sort of like lightning, but on a smaller scale. That's the way Swedenborg says it's happening in the spiritual world. So, take a look at this. We've animated a couple of things uh, about that to show you what I'm talking about. So, you know, you've seen this with this, this idea that different thoughts and feelings are sort of moving around different centers in the brain based on what they are. Well, Swedenborg says In the spiritual world, those are all communities of angels and spirits and everything, he says thoughts and feelings are actually moving around in the same kind of pattern. Like that's the giant brain of humanity that's actually moving these conscious experiences from place to place, and everybody experiencing them and changing them, just like you have the different kind of neurons firing in the brain. But not only that, our little mini brain is connected to this big giant brain, that the parts of it flash and light up. Correspond with parts in our mind. So we are connected to these different parts of heaven and hell, and that's what's influencing the way we think and feel about life, the things we're attracted to, that kind of thing. But it's not the same for everyone. Swedenborg says that each of us are connected to different parts of heaven and hell. And it's because of the unique nature of our connections that we are actually a mind like no other mind in the universe, because we are this confluence of this particular other group, and we have our own little spin on what it is to be a thinking, feeling, being. And not only that, it changes throughout our life as we change. So, those are a couple of things about the mind. Right, if you're still with me, I'm not gonna lose you for the rest of the time, because we jumped right into this, like, hmm, our thoughts are coming in from these little dots in the spiritual world. and. Swedenborg, that's the Swedenborg for you. And he doesn't just say that kind of thing happens generally, he gives you specifics. And specifics on, that we're gonna focus on here, on what's the difference between a connection with heaven and a connection with hell? Isn't there that song, do you think you can tell heaven from hell? Well, we're gonna hopefully be able to answer that question in the affirmative by the end of this. And what we're gonna do is try to collect little bits of data that Swedenborg gives about what an inflow from heaven is like, and what an inflow from hell is like. Remember, we're trying to look at how to feel the presence of angels, and if we're always connected to the spiritual world and our thoughts, connected to heaven as a part of it, that would be angels. So so we're going to try to notice them here. We want to collect these little snippets. What, what's, How do you identify what's heaven? How do you identify what's hell? We actually, at the um, Swedenborg Foundation Lab, were able to make up a magnet. Um, <coughs> I feel like we've done... sorry, uh, I'm gonna comment on that sneeze. I think we've done um, <laughs> like 130 shows, and I think that's the first time I've sneezed on this show, so you're welcome, everyone. Now, I was in the middle of lying about something. This magnet here at Swedenborg Foundation Labs, we have been able to charge this thing so that it this side attracts statements about the nature of heavenly influx, And this side attracts statements about the nature of hellish influx and throws them both behind me onto a chart. So we're going to use this tool to help organize our thoughts about it. All right, let's look at our first quote about it. This is Secrets of Heaven 6193. He says, What flows in from spirits from hell is evil and falsity, but what flows in from angels from heaven is goodness and truth. The opposing influences keep us in the middle and therefore in freedom. Because more of the angel's influence comes by a deeper way, it is not as perceptible outwardly as the evil spirit's influence. And that's, if anybody's ever had a mind, yeah, the negative stuff is louder. You may even there is good stuff in there, and that's exactly why we need to tease it out so we can notice this good stuff. So we got a lot of data points in there. Let's let's highlight them. All right, we got to put those on our charts. Some about heaven, some about hell. Here, let me get those off of there. Alright, great. So they, believe it or not, they just flung behind me onto this chart on the wall. We'll show you it in a second. Let's, but if I were you, and I was seeing what I just said about heaven and hell, that hell is louder. Yeah, we know hell is louder. Well, you know, we know that negative stuff is louder because we have brains, and they give us this negative stuff, and we don't want it, and the good stuff seems harder to come by and harder to locate. Um, But doesn't that paint sort of a disturbing picture of hell being stronger than heaven? Right. Why Why would hell have more volume? Especially in an important situation like this, how does that make any sense? And I think we can get a clue into it by saying that heaven is like an elephant. Uh, scientists have studied elephants, and for a long time they didn't know it, but they are, elephants are making these really, really low frequency sounds. And you can't hear them with your ear, but they can travel through the ground for long, long periods of time, and actually other elephants can pick them up and hear them. So there's this big, powerful signal, but yet we didn't know it was there because our ears aren't tuned into it. And that's really what we're looking at here, I think, with this difference between heaven and hell, is that we're not as attuned to heaven. It's not that it's not there, it's not that it's not powerful, it's not that it doesn't want us to hear it, we just have to be able to know how to tune in. That's what we're trying to equip ourselves to do here, in this program. All right, so let's get a few more uh, bits of, uh, a few more tags for our what's heavenly inflow, what's our hellish inflow. And we're going to move away from Swedenborg for a second to this book, The Presence of Other Worlds. Don't worry, it's by a Swedenborgian scholar about Swedenborg's worldview. But this is Wilson Van Dusen who we've quoted before on this show and he had this really interesting study that he did when he was working as a psychiatrist with patients who were hearing voices or or psych- psychotic schizophrenic whatever we want to call them now he talked about asking the patients what are your voices telling you and from that sort of building these sketches of what are these different voices like in their heads and from that he made this distinction between the higher order and the lower order and that there's a pretty clear parallel with that he noticed with Swedenborg's description of Heaven and Hell. So we want to go into what were people telling Wilson van Dusen about their experience, and what can we learn from that about what's the higher order and the lower order in our own thinking. So here's, this is a, from his book, uh, the presence of other worlds. And he's talking about, in contrast with the lower order, in direct contrast stands the rarer, higher order hallucinations. Now, he uses that word hallucination because he's coming at it from a a psychiatric perspective. In his book, you see, he's not making a statement there saying that he believes these are just imagined and not part of an objective reality, but he's using that terminology for those reasons. In quantity, they make up perhaps a fifth or less of the patient's experiences. The contrast may be illustrated by the experience of one man. He had heard the lower order arguing a long while how they would murder him. He also had a light come to him at night like the sun. He knew it was a different order because the light respected his freedom and would withdraw if it frightened him. In contrast, the lower order worked against his will and would attack if it could see fear in him. This rarer higher order seldom speaks whereas the lower order can talk endlessly Does it sound like negative thoughts to anyone the higher order is much more likely to be symbolic religious supportive genuinely instructive and communicate directly with the inner feelings of the patient we got a lot of a lot of markers there let's highlight them we get this is going to be good material for our chart we get this magnet activated all right great now you may be saying have, every time I have to I say, now you may be saying, you may be saying, I don't hear voices like that, but what we're looking at is the, this is these are extreme conditions that people are in that I think is at sort of the end of the spectrum of what we all go through. We all have this negative and positive thought and feeling interplay, and so if we learn from the extremes, we can maybe be getting at these underlying mechanisms that will help us navigate our own thoughts. And, and Swedenborg is saying, it is angels and devils, but you just, you can't hear them like that, so you just think it's that there's no inflow. So we're picking out the positive and negative, and we can be using these tools to, to look through regular thoughts, look through the stuff we have every day. We're going to CVS, and we're trying to buy something, and we're getting down on ourselves for something, or we're getting happy about something. That's the world we're going to take this and apply it to. All right, there's one more we want to look at, and it has to do with how, generally, The good side doesn't want to force you to do things. So this is Divine Providence 321. Something more needs to be said about people who wait for something to flow in. So this is Swedenborg is talking about people who have heard this concept that, oh, we're getting influenced by heaven and hell, so what if I just like wait and and see what do they tell me to do instead of just going and, and acting on my own initiative, knowing there's an influence as well. The only people of this kind who actually receive anything are the few who deeply long for it. They occasionally receive a kind of answer through a vivid impression or a subtle voice in their thinking, but rarely through anything obvious. In any case, what they receive leaves them to think and act the way they want to and the way they can. If they act wisely, they become wise, and if they act stupidly, they become stupid. So it leaves them, there's input, but it then leaves them to act. They are never told what to believe or what to do, otherwise their human rationality and freedom would be destroyed. That is, things are managed so that they act freely and rationally, and to all appearances autonomously. If some inflow, tells us what to believe or what to do, it is not the Lord or any angel of heaven who is telling us, but some fanatical spirit, and we are being led astray. Everything that flows in from the Lord flows in by an enlightenment of our understanding and by our desire for what is true, actually through the desire into the enlightenment. Oh, you get a double there, because there he's talking about what it feels like, that it comes as this realization, that angels talking to us comes as this realization through a longing for something. Alright, so there's a lot to pull out of this one. Let's see, I'll turn up the level of the magnet. All right, let's see if we can pull them all out. Alright, that's the last one of those. We have all this material, and I know that it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean for sure that, um, you know, no angel has ever told somebody, look out, don't cross the street right now. I don't know. Uh, But he's saying, as a general rule, heaven is not going to come in to control your life. There, you know, there'll be assistance, but it's like you've got a you've got a mind, you've got a will, go do it. You know, so there's this element of freedom, respect of freedom, an autonomy that, that comes from the heaven side. So you guys ready for the recap? Let's see. How do you tell heaven from hell in the mind? So this is our chart. The let's start with the inflow from hell because it's shorter. And just in case we can only get one done, we might as well do hell. This is info from hell, from what we pulled. It consists of evil and falsity. It is outward and more apparent in our mind, or louder. It works against our will, attacks if it notices fear in us, builds on fear, talks endlessly, hell chatter, tells us what to believe, tells us what to do. Do you ever have anything in your mind that fits those characteristics? Thoughts and feelings, (laughs) um, ruminations... Right? Is, is any if anything comes in wearing those name tags, you at least got to treat it with a bit of skepticism, because it may well have nothing valuable to offer you. Not a, you can't ever know for sure, but this is like get skeptical if something is acting like that. On the other hand, the inflow from heaven consists of goodness and truth. It has a more inward and deeper influence. It's not as perceptible. It communicates directly with inner feelings. Communicates by giving an impression rather than anything obvious. Flows in by an enlightenment of our understanding from a desire for what is true, respects our freedom, withdraws if it notices fear, does not want to frighten, seldom speaks, has a subtle voice, often symbolic and religious in nature. Supportive, I think about dreams, you know, symbolic dreams. Supportive, genuinely instructive, so it leaves us to act how we want. Never tells us what to believe, or what to do. So if you're getting something that's fitting those criteria, not just is it good, but it, you may be feeling an angel. There, something that in the in your regular thoughts and feelings, that you've probably, probably many times today. We've all been interacting with an angel, according to Swedenborg. We just didn't know it. But if if you realize it, that can change the whole dynamic. And so if we have these two forces, the heaven and hell, in the mind, you may be saying, (laughs) why don't we turn down the hell and turn up the heaven, right? We would much rather have all the things in that green column going on in our mind than the things in the red column. So how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's coming right up in part two. Now this, we're really going to get into some rare material here. Well, I say rare because this is, uh, while we had tweaks in the first section, there's major stuff here that was not in the previous episode. We actually, when we were broadcasting that episode, this is what happened during the, the we're going to give you a, a three, uh, before I introduce that, we're going to give you a three-step guide here to turning up the volume. To, to hearing these angels, to letting the angelic side of things come in more, and we were trying to do that the last time we did this show, and this is what happened we Need we'll try to have to shows like this one, because we we'll already know what we're doing. So that's step one. Step two. Step two. Right? I, it wasn't... Okay, that's not exactly how it happened. It actually, we went a few minutes more, but then the recording cut off, and it was right in the middle of step two. So these... Step one, we've augmented. Step two is the end of it is brand new and step three is all brand new. So this is gonna be cool. And, but one thing I was thinking before we do this guide is that this show sometimes leans a little too much on technology, right? We use a lot of video and obviously this is a video, there's videos within videos. Why don't we get back to something a little more um, material, something you can really put your hands on. So our three-step guide, we're actually gonna be taking it from This book right here, How to Feel the Presence of Angels, The Three-Step Guide. So I'm going to read you a little story. You want to read it with me? Well, you got to, because we're here, and it's a one-way thing. Here's the book, How to Feel the Presence of Angels, and here we're going to be looking at a very nicely textured first page, The Three-Step Guide to Feeling the Presence of Angels. Three steps, not so bad. I think it's worth our time. We got a little picture here to inspire us. Step one, live into love. Okay? Just do that. Now we're going to explain what it means and to do that, as we always do, we've got ourselves a quote from Emanuel Swedenborg. This is from Secrets so we took you all the way here to give you the exact same screen. Secrets of Heaven 6323. You cannot Well, you could still click that book. I don't know if we're going to try to annotate that thing as it moves around. The good effects of love, which flow in from the Lord through angels, contain all truth. And this truth would spontaneously reveal itself if we lived a life of love for the Lord and love for our neighbor. This fact is visible not only from phenomena in heaven, but also phenomena on the lower rungs of nature. The phenomena he's talking about on the lower rungs of nature, hello, specifically is... (laughs) instinct. He's saying that if we lived in the order of our lives, information from heaven and from angels would just flow in. So what do I mean by that? Let's back up and talk about animals. you guys know animals? Yes, animals are cool. Animals are not just cool, they know how to do stuff. You have fish, they know how to school in this amazing formation and react to danger. Termites are a little tiny ant-like things, they can build these mounds that have air conditioning in them, that that deal with rainfall. Ants who are very similar will like, and I think termites do it too, they cultivate plants that have little farms inside their nests, and they all coordinate this somehow over their short little lifespans. Birds without opposable thumbs can just weave these amazing looking straw baskets to put their eggs in that we call nests, and they don't ever have to be taught how to do that, right? There are some teaching in the animal kingdom, but most of what everyone does, they just know how to do, and we call that instinct. Humans don't really have that. I mean, we have it in teeny little bits, but really, we don't have any major skills that we just know intuitively. And Swedenborg says that's because animals live in the order of their life, meaning a fish is being what a fish is supposed to be. Termite is being what a termite is supposed to be. But we people have fallen away from being what we're supposed to be. And he says that the order of our life, you remember in that quote, is to love the human race, to love God and love the neighbor, which means to love helping and love the truth. So, if we did that if we really lived that every day if that's who we were and that's what we what the basis of our lives was we would actually get instinct this angelic instinct meaning all this knowledge from heaven about how to do things and everything true that's stored away up there would just be flowing into us we would have all kinds of access to these angelic secrets if we were in the order so we would have our own things that would parallel those amazing termite nests in our minds, right? So, is that The termite nest in your mind. But you see what I'm saying? If you want to connect to angelic, as a show is how to feel the presence of angels, if you want to get in the presence and not only get in there, but learn the wisdom of angels, the more you live in love, the more that stuff naturally starts to come to you, and we could eventually get to a state where, you know, the human race is getting that stuff all the time, because we're back in the order of things. So step one, love people. And that can get you the truth. Back to our book. Oh, I shouldn't close it. I have to go back into. Okay. Sorry. That's a beautiful shot. Step two. So here we have our, us tuning in. Pay attention to purpose. Step two is pay attention to purpose. And what does that mean? Well, Here we got our quote. This is Secrets of Heaven, 5854, subsection 1. The Lord provides that spirits influence our thoughts and wishes, but that angels influence our ultimate goals, and through our goals the consequences that result. Angels also flow through good spirits into the good deeds we do and the religious truth we believe, using these to lead us away from evil and falsity as much as possible. Their influence is silent and imperceptible to us, but even though it is secret... It works. Angels' main role is to turn aside bad aims and inspire good ones, but to the extent they cannot do this, they withdraw and exert a relatively distant, remote influence. Evil spirits then move in. You see, angels cannot be present in bad aims or in self-love and materialism, but they remain present at a distance. Remember before, we were telling you, hey, angels are so close that they're in your thoughts. I mean, they sort of are, but even more so, they're in your goals, your he says, aims, this would be the purpose behind what, what you're doing, your motivations for doing what you do. And that angels, if you saw it in there, they can be present in, in positive motivations. So the more that what we're trying to do has to do with, with love and service to other people, the more angels are aligning with us, the more they're able to flow into our good actions. But the more that our primary goals are selfish, domineering, materialistic, greedy sorts of things, angels can't live there. That, that's not a habitat that they can thrive in, and they actually get pushed out by that. So they're they're more remote, and evil spirits move closer, if that's what our goal is. Swedenborg says that love is our life. And the way that he defines love, it's it's an action toward doing something. It's it's serving a particular goal. So what our goals are really matters. So if we want to invite the angels in, you know, think of, like, think of why you're doing what you do. And the more often you can be doing it for a reason that has the good of the human race specifically in mind. I mean, that's that's the highest form of love, is thinking, how do I serve others and how do I serve everyone and how do I make this action something that's going to bring joy and, and good health to people. That brings in. That's an angel magnet. That that'll bring them right in. So pay attention to goals. All right, it's a three-step process. So let's look at the third one. Uh, moving on. If you want these angelic riches, give the angels something to work with. In the mind, they need something to work with. Our quote for today. There's our little step three, second page gorgeous book. There um, we go. Perfectly straight. This is going to be... oh, look how on that is. This is from the Journal of Spiritual Experiences 4042. There is a continual arranging of the vessels of man's bodily memory. For as the vessels are arranged, so the spirits speak, and so and not otherwise those are able to think who are nearest by. For the vessels of the memory are planes in which mental imagery becomes fixed, and if they are not suitable, they cannot receive... And as far as they are suitable, so far they receive. The mental images of the spirits nearby by are, so to speak, bound to them." Because we came in here telling you, oh, you know, ain't heaven and hell are affecting your mind, whereas you used to think it was just your brain affecting your mind, right? Well, this is essentially saying the brain matters. The structures of your mind affect the kind of communication you can have with the spiritual world. And those are affected by your thinking, just like we, we're already we're figuring out through science, physical science on the brain, the way that we think about things can affect how the, the different neurons get connected to each other, what sort of patterns we commit to in the mind has impact there. And so the angels have to have those things in good shape, meaning we have to have some kind of good ideas for them to work into. Swedenborg says that angels operate into the truths that we know. The more that we fill our mind with true insights, with religious or spiritual truths about reality, that's what angels can work into. And it seems like they actually have a pretty broad range of what can suit them. You know, you think about when when positive memories pop into mind, that may well be them. Swedenborg talks about something he calls the remnant in everyone. This is all the true states of of goodness, or of love, or of innocence you've ever experienced, especially when we're little. Those all get stored up, and God uses those in times of distress to help us out. So it could could be that Heaven is able to communicate with those, so it pulls them out. Right when you need it, you get some kind of good memory, or you remember something reassuring. But then also, I don't know about you, but I find that there are things that are already in my memory, but once I reread them, they matter again in a different way. For example, um, I'm going to admit between you and I that I read a lot of Swedenborg. And in there, there are all these little concepts about things, maybe about how angels are with us, or how God is taking care of things, so they're going to be okay. There's really elegant, empowering, uh, peace-giving thoughts, but I'll get in these really negative states of mind, where I'm, I'm not feeling any of that stuff. And even though it's in my memory, and I have a general sense of, yeah, I know that those things are said, and I feel pretty affirmative towards them, it doesn't really dispel that. But if I read a particular idea, it can suddenly have potency. That I wasn't, I didn't remember it right, or it wasn't in the forefront. For some reason, I read that little thing. You, you've got to have this on your own, right? There's there's something, some poem, or some bit of scripture, or something that reading it changes the way you feel. It, why? Because you, you'd you read it before, but, but why is it different? And I think it's because that's that's a plane through which angels can operate. We give them something to work with there. I'll find that sometimes reading a particular concept or, or hearing one or somebody telling me one that, that I'd, even if I'd heard it before, suddenly that dispels the negative stuff. It, it, it works even though before I was trying to push away these dark clouds, but it didn't happen. So is that an example of the plane is set and then heaven can get in there and bam! Heaven has so much power over the the influence of hell in the mind. So that is perhaps something we can cultivate consciously. We can say, I'm going to continue to give them a plane, I'm going to put good things in the mind, I'm going to regulate how much negative stuff, negative media or whatever I get to put in the brain. Give them an environment where it's easier for them to reach out. Maybe you have a routine whenever things get bad, I always read these three things and that works. Who knows? Whatever works for you, that's the third step hope it worked. Now, we're not saying that these three steps will lead to overt angelic experiences, but we are hopefully developing awareness through them of the connections we're having and maybe able to amp those up a bit. To recap, in case you wanted to, uh, you didn't write them down, what's the three steps? Step one, live into love. Oh, look, we got them in visual form there. Live into love. Pay attention to purpose. Give them something to work with. So, step into the love we were meant to be in. Oh, I was still reading that. Uh, Step into the love we were meant to be in. Give them a plane to work into um, and and make sure that uh, your purposes are cool. And then hopefully you're connecting. If that doesn't work for you, maybe you should have a heart-to-heart with the angels. And actually, maybe we actually all are having the heart-to-heart with angels, and we're gonna check that out in the next section. But first, we're gonna get to one of your fan videos. Appreciate you sending it in, and I'll see you for part three.
1: Hey, Swedenborgian friends. Uh, okay, here's my video for the show. Hi, Curtis. All right, here is something uh, that I just uh, puzzles me. I saw this um, show on Channel 8, PBS, about cats. And it was talking about cats and about how they adapted uh, camouflage. So it makes them look like they're part of the jungle, or they're part of the prairie, or whatever environment they're in, it helps them look like that. What do you think about this? Um, Plants. So you've got an animal masquerading as a plant. So you think it's just part of the foliage. It's a plant, but it's really an animal. So, correspondentially, if I got this right, you'll have to tell me, maybe I'm wrong. It's like you've got an affection pretending to be something intellectual. Not on a, you know, intellectual things are not affections. They're just things, you know, pre-concepts, right? So you've got, plus not even just a regular affection, like uh, an aggressive uh, carnivorous affection that wants to eat, some other affection. It is, I cannot figure it out, okay? Over and out. I listen to the show as often as I can. I love your show. Bye. I
0: think that's it. I mean, I I think we see examples of things claiming that they are intellectual, but they're actually affectional. If you're having an argument with somebody and you say, "Oh, I'm just disagreeing with you because I disagree with this idea, but really you just don't like them, or you're mad that they don't say that you're right, so that's really what's fueling it, or somebody, or on a larger scale, there's somebody saying, no, listen, we are, there's a good reason why we want to build this waste dump in your community. It's so that, uh, you know, there's this, this, but really it's just because it'll save me money and I want money and I want. So I I love thinking about the natural world, the, the world of, of plants and animals and ecosystems and thinking about what does that correspond to outside of what Sweden works at. So <laughs> if you guys ever want to chat about that, I'm up for it. All right, so thanks. Let's take a look now at getting heart-to-heart with angels. And so we're going to begin with Swedenborg talking about a particular spiritual inflow in Heaven and Hell 446. He says, the deepest communication of our spirit is with our breathing and our heartbeat. Thought connects with our breathing and affection, an attribute of love with our heart. So he's saying that The thinking-feeling part of us, which is our spirit, is connecting to the physical part of us. Specifically, the thoughts and the lungs go together, and the heart with the love or the feelings. And you can kind of just tell by looking at it, or I can feel that, that, hey, yeah, there's something there. Now, this plays out, though, into this connection with the spiritual world, with heaven and hell and angels that Swedenborg says we are experiencing all the time. And he says that there are different breathings and heartbeats for whole communities in the spiritual world, and that he was able to feel some of those. So this is from Secrets of Heaven 3886.
2: It should be realized that variations in heartbeat and breathing from one heaven to another are manifold, and that those variations are as many as the communities there. For those variations are determined by the differing states of thought and affection from one community to another, and those states are determined by the differing states of faith and love.
0: Do we lose you? He's saying that there are communities that have different thoughts, I mean, I do thought beats, different heartbeats and different sets of breathing, breathing rhythms, sets of breathing rhythms, and that that's because of different thoughts and affections. And that could be playing out. It's in the individual angels that have different heartbeats and different breathing, but also he says, as you remember if you've ever delved into the Swedenborg thing, whole communities can be like a single person, and that single person has like that heartbeat and that thought. So that's out there, but because like can talk to like, we in our own little thinking and feeling and breathing and heartbeating. Are connecting. This is part of how we connect to these communities, like we were talking about in the beginning. This is Secrets of Heaven 6.3.20. When angels exert an influence, they attach feelings to it, and the feelings themselves contain too many elements to count. But we accept only a few of these countless elements, only the ones that relate to what we already have in our memory. The rest of the angelic influence surrounds these core items and holds them in its embrace, so to speak. So here we have an example Of how angelic thoughts and feelings, heartbeat and and lung respiration, go with ours. So there's always angelic influence coming into us, but there's only certain things in our memory that can really resonate with it, like we're talking about, right? You have a good memory or something, that is something heaven can resonate with, and then heaven will bring that connection to thoughts and loves, and there's so much more going on with it though, than we can really understand. There's all this stuff surrounding that experience that heaven is talking to us, trying to tell us about. We only get this one little feeling or bit of it, but the rest of that is using that sort of as a fulcrum or as a uh, point of convergence. And that that's how this stuff in heaven that we don't even understand still works in us and sustains us and helps us to grow. There's always more out there on the heavenly level of things than we experience here. Swedenborg says that just like you, you look at a hand, we just see one thing. It's a little bit complicated, but it's just one object. But if you look inside at the cellular level, there's trillions and trillions of little parts and things. And he says that it's like that, that within something that just seems like one thing to us, there's so much spiritual spiritual and heavenly complexity, and that heaven is always giving us way more than we are aware of in all of these interactions. And And that, can show up, even though we can't can't understand it all, that can show up as this connection with the heart. And Swedenborg felt this connection in his own heart, and he recorded it in Secrets of Heaven 176. He said, I remained at one with the heavenly angels, held in a fairly close embrace in the area around my heart, as I perceived and also felt in my pulse. So this was, and he often said that the deepest Highest heaven connected with the heart, in the middle heaven with the lungs. So we kind of have a connection with the, the, the spiritual or, or thinking heaven with the lungs, and the beating love heaven with the heart. And he talks about this further in Spiritual Experiences 4317. It was given me to perceive the pulsation of the heart of heaven in general. So the heart of heaven. It was heavy, somewhat slower than mine, and attended with rather a deep sound. It was said that I was then in the pulsation of the heart of heaven, and I perceived that I was among infants. This pulsation was in the midst of the heart. It was afterwards given to perceive the pulsation of the heart of the heaven of angelic spirits, which was anterior above the navel. The vibrations were more rapid." So he's talking about different levels of heaven, the different kind of heartbeats that they have, and that he could be inside that pulse, and that infants are right in the center of that, the deepest heaven there. So it's a grand concept, and it seems cool, but how does it show up in our life? Like, are we having these connections as well, and how do you notice them, and what, what does it look like? Well, when we were writing this, Chelsea, who works on the show, said that she had an experience that seemed to relate to this heaven-heart connection, so we asked her to tell it, and this is one example of how this could potentially show up in the life of you or I.
2: I had this experience, around this topic when I was in my early 20s. At the time, I was thinking about like, who is God? It sounds sort of heady, but like on the surface, Christianity gives you this sense that God is sort of high up in the sky outside of you, far away, and you're like on this journey to meeting and building this connection or relationship with God. Like the whole idea of relationship is that it's something outside of you and you're gonna have a relationship with it. What really feels life-giving would be to have this like deep connection, direct access to the divine, to heaven inside of myself. But at the time it felt like, can I really believe that? You know, like if I get quiet and I go into myself or sense inside, I remember having this experience of like, it's just darkness and it's silence in there. Like where's this big, the divine is within you, you know, connection. I had this one night where i slept and but then when i was waking up you know before i had even come fully to consciousness i was just waking up from sleep i just awoke to this phrase repeating in my mind there is love in your heart there is love in your heart there is love in your heart so it's just the simple message of there is love in your heart but that was such a lifeline to me at the time and continues to be that I can still remember it and it's just sort of a base level you know foundation point of like there is love in your heart and that that presence of love in my heart is something that I can trust that I really do have this inner access to to heaven to love itself that I can live from
0: and it's fascinating because she shes where's God looking for God and the answer is there is a love in your heart and that that love this is the connection to God, and because if we're talking about how to connect to angels or we'll feel the presence of angels, we're really talking about God. Because as any angel would tell you, according to Swedenborg, God is where it's at. This is where angels are getting their angelness, getting all their love. Is this is God coming through, talking to us? And if Chelsea was told she's got that love in her heart, I think you guys all have it too. So we have this constant connection through in in the thoughts, in the heart. In things we can perceive and in things we don't perceive, but angels are there with us. And we're trying to give you a few tools today to notice them. And it's not just like we're giving you one of those label makers that you, you can stick a label on thoughts and feelings like, oh, that's from heaven, that's from an angel, and that's the only upgrade is that you've got these labels on them. Something happens when you label them. I've noticed and and Swedenborg comments on how that actually increases the connection. Understanding where it comes from increases the connection and and lets it be more affirming and lets you feel less alone and makes you feel more um, empowered by them, more healed by these little interactions. On the flip side of it, Swedenborg talks about the things that come out of hell, the negative stuff in the mind that only when we believe or think about it as being from hell, then as soon as we label it like that, angels can divert it and push it away. It's something about us acknowledging where it comes from. We release some kind of hold we had on it, angels can push it away. So similarly, the more we can label these angelic connections, the more we can strengthen them. That, that knowledge can be a bridge between heaven and us. And that's what we're always trying to do, bridge the heaven and and the us so that we can act more like angels ourselves and be examples to people, and the more that people are just saturated by imagery of humanity behaving like angels and the experience of that heaven inside themselves and realizing that it's there, the better the world is going to be, and we want to make the world better. So... Let's do it one person at a time. All right. If you want to, that's our show. If you really want to make the world better, very quickly like and subscribe this video. <laughs> we, that, that helps us on YouTube. It's a way to show support. And if you haven't already subscribed, man, this will get you videos as great as this one every week or so. Um, and if you want to support this kind of programming and make it possible, please consider making a donation. We're gonna to get to your questions, but first we wanna show you a little video about our philosophy and how we're a nonprofit, and your donations are, are what make us run. So here's how it goes.
2: We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com. And we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving, to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins.
0: All right, questions time. How did we do? What do you guys think? Uh, Do you have, thoughts on it, or, or or areas of inquiry that we didn't get to, we'll see, and we'll see what I can come up with to answer. Let's look at the first one. This is Mary, YouTube. I would like to ask if Swedenborg ever commented on why there are four Gospels, Matt, Mark, Luke, John, and what they could mean. Ah, oh, why do you have to ask me that? I don't think I know the answer. Um, Man, he talks all throughout about how, what the details in those Gospels mean, um, but I don't think... He talks about why there are four different gods. I Man, probably. This is cool because you know I could we could give me a laptop and I could be looking these up, or we could have someone in the studio. We really should because I'm just I don't know I don't have a good answer to that one. But Swedenborgians know. Ask them, um, and and they will tell you. Ah, all right, let's do the next question. <laughs> or if, yeah, if anybody wants to look that up and then like tell in the chat or something, we can, you guys figure it out and, and tell me. William, are we assigned specific angels at the time of our birth that stay with us until we die, or is it all randomly happening? Oh, it's a good point. We made it seem kind of like there's these communities, and we're just kind of zooming around in them, and just bobbing up into, there are two angels that are always with you, and there's one that is associated with your heart, and one associated with your thoughts, or associated with your will and intellect, and those are always with you. Now, I don't mean there are always two of them with you. It doesn't mean it's always the same one. I believe Swedenborg says those change as you go through stages of life. There are different ones with you when you're in childhood versus adolescence versus adulthood uh, or there can be because we we have different um we have different capacities there were different kinds of creatures there. Now that so but but it's like the one makes sure the other one is all the way sitting down before they leave, so you're never without one of those, because that's part of this mechanical connection that allows us to live. Now I don't know whether there are other groups that that are with you constantly, or how long those stay with you. We do have what Swedenborg calls an angelic community, and that we can even sometimes be visible in that community. But we also change communities based on what we're loving and going after, so there there are two angels that are with you, but I don't believe he says that it's the same one all the way through life. Now, I don't think he says that can't happen, so it may be on a case-by-case basis. So those are a few things. I knew a couple of things about that question. Great, great question. I do see that there's, I mean, you want to think you have companions that are there with you, and I'm sure that that is filled. I'm sure it's not just like, okay, I've only been with you three years, I don't really know you, that any any angel who's with us is going to be just, if we, if we, if we, had our eyes open and, and met them, and be like, I've known you forever. And and Swedenborg even says, when you get to your angelic community, it feels like you've known these people since childhood, because you love, you're so similar in heart and mind, uh, that there's that same kind of joy as if you'd met a lifelong friend. So a couple of thoughts on that. Great question. Let's look at the next one. Catherine, how do we discern the angels from the hells? Well, so we went over... Uh, our, some of our best shots at that. You know, you, you, I don't think, as I was saying before, you know, earlier in this episode, we when we went through the, the chart, you know, take a look, pause that thing at the end of this section, the closer than you think, those are some bullet points. Um, but you can never fully tell. And if we're talking, I don't know if we're talking about like overt spiritual experiences, m- meaning you see a being that is talking to you, like some people report, or if we're just talking about in the heart and mind, am I being influenced by heaven or influenced by hell right now? I don't know if you could ever know for sure, for sure, about something. Well, if you had a particular perception, but just operating from a normal, everyday mindset. But you can make good guesses. Like The best thing I can try to do for myself is get lists like the one we compiled earlier and just run things through that and see, is it crossing any of these? And then make an educated guess based on that. In general, heaven is... Is loving, it is not controlling, and it is leaving you better than it found you. You know, you have people who will have sort of these overriding spiritual influences come and talk to them and the influences are saying like, we're helping you, we're helping you, but if you step back and look at it, even though it feels like in little increments, oh they helped with this, overall your life has gone downhill since they got to you. Um, Maybe not so good. So, it's not an exact science. Um, Swedenborg had, was given what he called perception, so he was able to see immediately whether something was from heaven and hell. I don't have that. Hopefully, it's something that I think we can build up, but in the meantime, we can gain wisdom from people who have experienced it directly and have discovered some kind of system like we're, we're giving you here. So a couple of tools we gave you there, and then, um, you know, let it sit, pray on it, see what happens, you know. All right, thanks. Next one. Karen Land, other sources have said that angels actually want us to ask them for help. Did Swedenborg say anything similar? I I think he did. I'm so saturated in that idea. Uh, angels want us to ask them for help that I can't remember if he ever says it directly. He does... It's There's going to be angels around no matter what, and there is this everything has to be done in freedom with rationality, meaning we have to be using our own minds and, and bodies to, I mean, no minds and, and wills, you know, to get a communication or, or to ask, we have to ask for, but I don't know if it's like that I have, some people have reported their hands are tied until you ask. I don't know what asking is. Like, is it verbally asking? Or if you just implicitly, like if I'm on the side of the street and, um, I have a a tree has fallen on me, and somebody's walking by, and I look over at them like, Ugh. I've asked right, even if I haven't said. So, how much do they know? What are what are the like particulars of what constitutes permission? There is something to. It has to be voluntary because even God, God, I guess, is the ultimate example, wants to bring us. Amazing things in our life I mean, it wants to bring us spiritual happiness wisdom wants to protect us to save us and heal us and all that stuff but we've got to participate on our end by doing things and swedenborg says that that's by rejecting what is negative and turning towards God and learning and that kind of thing so there's got to be on a there's got to be some analog to that with an, with an angelic influence because it's sort of the same thing I mean angels are doing on a small scale what God is doing for us on a large scale so there's got to be something there I feel like leaving it like that, um, scattered, because, you know, I'm reading books about it. There are other people that have had experiences. I'm not going to try to say that I know for sure the answer, you know, that that, that I can say this is the, the full totality of that interaction. It can only happen like this or this. Those are my guesses, and they're based on Swedenborg and some other things I've read, and hopefully you take those and add them to your, your cache of information on the topic and you do what seems right to you. All right, great one. Uh, Let's do another one. This is from Josh. So, how do I know if the angel that's with me is good? I've never met mine, but I have one. I do communicate with spirits, but none has ever identified itself as an angel, but quite the opposite. Uh, You know, it may even... Swedenborg had multiple... um, just getting into like, are... is it angels or spirits? You may have noticed that Swedenborg in this episode, in a, in one place at least, that I'm thinking of, talked about angels versus spirits, um, and he actually differentiates the different levels of heaven. There's times when he calls the angels on the outermost level, you know, first level angels, then the middle angels, highest angels, but there's other times when he says that in the lowest level of what he calls heaven it's just good spirits, then above it is, um, Angelic spirits and then angels. The only true angels are in the highest heaven. So, as far as that goes, um, it sort of seems like the angel angels, like the deepest ones, are almost hard for us to know that they're around. They wouldn't, but but then maybe spiritual angels can get through with words and that kind of thing. I mean, how do you know if the angel that's with me is good? How do you know if like a person is good? Do they seem like it's not what they're? It's not what you. Tell somebody it's it's what you show them, like how does that thing talk to you um are they respectful are they kind are they pushy uh, like you really think angels would be pushy you know and 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 how has their presence affected your life i mean even if something's powerful, if it's causing harm to you and others, doesn't sound that good, so I think that's um that's worth noting, and that also brings up the question do angels Call themselves angels. Like, do they know that that's the word we use? Yeah, they would. Well, they they would know what's in your mind about it. According to Swedenborg, they they can see everything in your memory, and their speech falls into your concepts automatically. So, I would say again, I'm not going to go as far as to say I this is I know for sure what you're experiencing over there and the roots behind it. But a couple other thoughts uh, to put to put in there for you. We're going to do one more question, and then we're going to go. All right, everybody. Here's the last question. Uh, We're loading it up now. Kathy, how do we recognize our loved ones if their appearances change? Yeah, Swedenborg does describe that when we first go to the other world or the afterlife, we look a lot like we did here, but we grow there to look like we did here on the inside. Meaning, rather than being an, an image of our genetics and of the physical shape of our bodies, we there are an image of the love that we have and the understanding that we have. That you are an effigy of who you really are there, and that <laughs> some people will be glad to know is is different than how we we look here. Um, so that is cool, but also, yeah. How do you if somebody looks different? How do you know? I think the answer is that you're gonna. Hard to recognize hearts. Love recognizes love. You're actually going to be able to more easily recognize the person because you know their essence. You know, you know who they are, and then in the spiritual world, that kind of thing is obvious. Now, I don't know if when you first meet somebody, they look like they did to you, even if they've changed as sort of an accommodation thing, because I've heard people talk about. You know, loved ones who had died a, a while ago, and they have some kind of experience where they see them, and they look like themselves, but younger and, and healthier and happier. There, there may well be something like that case by case, but it certainly isn't um, hard to do. And Swedenborg even talks about, in his experiences, going to meet people from that he'd heard of in history, and he didn't even know what they looked like in the first place, but he was able to find them like that, because when you're thinking of somebody, the presence is there. So you're going to be thinking of that person, you're going to know it's them, you're going to be right with them. What the actual visual will be probably varies eventually, though we all see each other for who we truly are, and we live happily in that state. And that's a great note to end on. I want to say thanks for the questions, I do my best on them, and I think we all know that it's like, just fun to talk about this stuff, and for me, amazing, that you guys want to talk about this sort of stuff. So I'm happy as a a little clam in the ocean here with you. Thanks for making this a a fun week. And if you want to do it again next week, we're going to be talking about memory and the spiritual memory and the physical memory. And when we're in the afterlife, do we live in the present? Do we remember this life on Earth? How does that whole thing work? We're going to take a look at it next week. Same place, same time. Hope to see you then.